0: Welcome to the True North Podcast This podcast is about Navigating through today's culture In the direction that lands At the heart of God Let's go So if you have a Bible We're going to be Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 If you don't it's all good we'll put it on the screen That's why we have technology That's why we have technology We'll put it on the screen we'll be in the New Living Translation Um so, in case you didn't know, today is a resurrection Sunday. Somebody said resurrection Sunday. Sunday. So, resurrection Sunday—it's—it's a—it's kind of a big deal, you know. It's kind of a big. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, unless you know somebody else that has risen from the grave after three days, um, you know, just resting, and well I, I could keep on going. The youth pastor mode kicked in, and I wanted to add some more adjectives, but no. After just resting, you know, dead, still he rose three days later. Why? Because he's God. He's a good God. Amen. Amen. So uh, today, if you're taking notes, um, today I want to talk about resurrected union. Resurrected union. So today we're going to be talking about resurrected union. If you're not taking notes, I I encourage you to, um, especially if there's something that the Lord says to you that you're like, man, I really need to hold on to that. Do like do uh, take it from a mail carrier. You want to put that down. Sticky notes are your friends, whether it's actual physical physical sticky notes or your phone or whatever it is, just because um, it's so easy. Once we walk out these double doors, it's easy to forget. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about resurrected union. I want to start in Genesis chapter one. If you, uh, if you're in here and you're like, I really don't read the Bible much, then guess what? You have come the right day because you're about to get that Bible quota in. All right. Not saying that there's a Bible quota, but I'm just saying like today we're going to go through a lot of scripture. We're going to make it brief fast. But just to give you some context, uh, we're going to start in the very beginning to give you some context of why today, why he did what he did and why today is so important. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody beside you, say, buckle up. All right. In Genesis chapter one, verse 26 in the New Living Translation, it says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. I like that that verbiage scurry along the ground. So if you're a human being, just raise your hand. If, is it right? All right. We all are human beings. That's awesome. So I love this because if you're a human being, then newsflash, you were created in the likeness and image of God. You were created. Watch this. You were created in the likeness and image of the Trinity. How do we know that? Because the, the author uses pronouns like this. He says, let us make, let us, us is plural. So if I'm talking about myself, I'm going to say, let me, but instead God is saying, let us. Father, Son, and Spirit. Let us make human beings in our image, in our image. So, therefore, we were created to be, uh, to 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 bear the image and the likeness of the Godhead of the Trinity. Now, I love this next part because. Um, Orthodox churches taught uh, very fundamental uh, understandings on how to comprehend the Trinity, how to understand the Father, Son, and Spirit, and one of those is it's called perichoresis, and perichoresis is an ancient Greek way of understanding the union that flows between the Trinity. Somebody say union. Now, union just means oneness. It means everybody's on the like, phew, oneness. We're all in agreement, all in one accord. It's where we get unity. And I love this because perichoresis, if you break it down, the word peri means around or circle. You know, it's where we get words in our English language like perimeter. And, you know, peri- and within perichoresis, we find the word choreo, to go or to come or to move. You know, with that word choreo, it's where we develop words like choreography, you know, dancing and moving. I, I don't really like doing choreography. Um, I remember growing up, we, you know, had a, we had a, uh, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but we had one of those. I feel like every church, if if you didn't grow up in church, let me give you some bad story real quick. Back in the, uh, in the early 2000s, you know, every church had the sign team, the step team, the clapping team, the throw the church fan, as far as you could throw it team. I mean, like we had it all. And I remember mom uh, and Miranda's not in here to witness this. DJ was here. DJ and Shadra was here. But I remember uh, they would, uh, be like, all right, we're going to do this next dance. And I'm like, I'm not really good at I don't, I don't, I mean, I can hold up a wall, so I do my best, you know, and for the most part, Kellen, he likes to dance, yesterday, he was dancing yesterday, and I'm like, yeah, you get that from your mom. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, because I don't dance, I just, you know, music goes, I'm like, all right, ooh, yeah, yeah, just keep it right here, in between the ones and twos. I don't move much. I keep it. I don't move much. I just use my hands. Anyways, I just dance my shoulders. Some of y'all get that later. All right. So but uh, in Perichoresis, we find the word choreo, which means choreography. So a lot of times the Orthodox Church, they compared the union within Godhead, within the Trinity, as to a circle dance. And this wasn't uncommon, because back then when they would do celebrations, they would all gather around in a circle, join hands and they would dance. They would be in one accord. They would be in union at the wedding festival. So a lot of times they understood, back then the early church understood that the Trinity, their union was similar to a circle dance. What I mean by that is, you know, um, understand this, a lot of times religion has taught us that over the years the Trinity is more like a patriarchal hierarchy where God is the, you know, God's the president or God's the CEO, God's the king, and Jesus is the prince and the Holy Spirit, he's the third one in the command, when the truth is the Trinity is like that circle dance. It's three eternal deities that are so joined together that you can't identify one without identifying the other. When you look at God, you can't look at God without seeing Jesus. When you see Jesus, you can't be reminded of Jesus without thinking of the Holy Spirit. That that perichoresis, that one accord, that union within each other. And the early church used that to describe the, the Trinity perichoresis. Watch this perichoresis is the mutual love and indwelling of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It is the mutual love. Perichoresis is the mutual love and the indwelling of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, where they're so joined together that you can't see one without seeing the other. That's what Jesus said in John 14, verse eight and nine. You don't have to turn there. But he said in John 14, verse eight and nine, he says, if you've seen me, then you've seen the father. Why? Because he was in union with God and spirit. See, the son, the best way to describe it is the son is in the father. The father is in the son and both are in the spirit. Somebody say union. union. So in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, we're still staying right there for a minute. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image, comma. So I love that comma because they want you to focus on. There's two truths that we need to focus on that. One, the person you see in the mirror was created to bear the image and likeness of God. Now watch this. It says, Nitz, uh, let us make man or let us make human beings in our image, comma, to be like us. Somebody say like us. Like us. So honestly, if we're going to be like him, then we have to reflect his nature. We have to reflect his nature. Amen. Amen. So. Uh, so can, can I give you a chip A nugget? Can I give you a Chip-fil-A nugget? I know they closed today, but I'm, I'm going to give you a chip nugget. All right. You choose the sauce that you want. If it's me, it's Polynesian. Uh, I'm, I'm weird. I like I have to. I have three sauces, and I take time to dip because I I can't decide on one. I got my Polynesian, I got Chipotle, then I got the honey barbecue uh, right all beside. So just so you choose the sauce. But let me give you a Chipotle nugget right here. I want you to notice in this verse. It says, "Let us make man." Or let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So we're first created in the image of God. And we're supposed to have that same union that God, Father, Son have. And then we see that we will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, Lindsay, why, why, how is this a Chick-fil-A nugget? Well, notice that we're given information that we were created in the image of God and we're supposed to be like God way before we're ever told, hey, this is, what I'm a ch- this is the job I'm going to give you. Notice what we're, told, uh, we're, we're told in this verse our purpose and who we are and whose we are long before we're told the job that we're going to do. Why? Because at the end of the day, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing apart from Jesus, we could do nothing. So before Adam and Eve could ever uh, reign over the fish in the sea, before they can ever uh, identify the birds, before we can ever create or procreate, before we can ever do our jobs, before we can ever parent, before we can ever be a better spouse, before we can ever be a better employee, uh, before we can be whatever it is that we hope to be, first we have to rest in the fact that, okay, whose am I? Who do I belong to? I belong to God. And, and do, do, am, am I flowing? Am I operating the same way that he does? Do I do I love the same way he does? Do I do I empathize the same way he does? Do I have patience? Do I have compassion the same? OK, well, if I don't have those things, I got to first focus on that before I can do anything else. Yeah. Jesus mended when he said in John fifteen five, apart from me, you can't do anything. He didn't say now, if you don't have me, you, you, there's a few things you can't do. You know, like, you know, if parents with small kids, you get the toys that got the, uh, that require the batteries, you know, you get them from the store. I, I love the toys with the batteries without the batteries. Does that make sense? I love it when we first buy it from the store and it don't have batteries. That's my favorite time for them to play with it. On the way home, they're playing because it ain't making noise. It's not vibrating. It's not doing any of that. It's, it's incomplete. But once they get the batteries, then I'm like, I don't like the toy. We need, we need to sell it. We need to get rid of it. it makes too much noise. Da da da. It's, it's too complete. But without the batteries, it's, it's, it, it appeals to me. Like, yes, y'all play with all you want to. Throw it? Oh yeah, throw it. I mean, as long as it costs so much, we're good. I mean, Don't break it. But ultimately, if it don't have any batteries, they make it sound, woo, we're awesome. We went to Discovery Park the other day and they bought um, fire trucks. And I, you know, me, they hit the buttons and no sound. So I'm like, oh yeah, yes, get them. You want two? Two, three, four, let's get them, let's get them. So they got fire trucks and we're driving home or whatever. And uh, Kenan's like, oh, mine's not making sounds. I'm like, I'm just driving happy as could be. I'm like, I know, buddy. It's okay, use your imagination. And uh, Kellen's like, yeah, can I pull this string out? I was like, pull what? <laughs> what do you mean pull the string out? And I'm like, is that what I think it is? And Kellen's like, don't pull it out, don't pull it out. I was like, Kelsey, please tell me. We did not get toys that already have batteries in them. She said, we did. I was like, Oh! why torture me with this why why so once they pull that string out then that toy will be operated in its complete purpose apart from Jesus Jesus in that in that metaphor Jesus is the batteries for you apart from him you cannot do who you truly call to do I mean you could be that you could be the top person on your job you could be the smartest person in your family but apart from him you are nothing Apart from him, you are nothing. The scripture says that we were created in his image to be like him, to have that perichoresis, that union with the father, son and spirit. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, John 15, five says that apart from him, we can do nothing. So, if you don't mind, pull up John 14, verse 23. If you have it, you could turn there. But we'll be in the Passion Translation. Jesus says something very powerful. notice in this we were created we talked about this last week as y'all are getting there getting it up we were we talked about this last year or last week but we we our true identity it was created before the fall of man before Adam's fall. If you missed last week, I encourage you, go listen to the podcast, podcast plug, Uh, but go listen to the podcast. Um, But we said in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, literally when we read it in the Greek, it said that we were created before the fall of man. We were spoken. Your true identity was spoken before the fall of man. Lindsay, why is that so important? That means that your true nature knows no sin. Your true nature isn't isn't guilt ridden. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't have to focus on anxiety. It doesn't have to focus on insecurity. It doesn't compare itself to others. Your true nature looks like the father, son, and spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus says, oh, uh, if you pull up verse 23 for me, sorry. Hmm. While she's getting it, let me uh does anybody understand why? Um does anybody know why the Bible, certain parts of the New Testament is written in red? Yeah, that that's right, he said it. It is. Uh, for those that for those that know where this is going, it's written in red, you know why? Because it's meant to be red. Dad joke. All right. <laughs> Verse 23, Jesus replied, love in me empowers you to obey my word and my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make our dwelling place. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus replied, so Jesus is telling us that love in him empowers us to obey his word. So when we come to church or when we read the word or when we're praying or when We're inspired. Okay, God, I know I need to. I know I want to do this. I know I want to do that. Well, he said in order to do it, in order to follow it, just love him. It empowers you to do it. Second thing, and my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you. We. Who's the we? The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. He said, love me. We will come to you. We will come to you and make our dwelling place. There it is again. Somebody say union so i want you to watch this there's a prayer that jesus prays right before he goes to the cross in john chapter 17 verse 21 the whole the whole chapter is the is the prayer but i want to just focus on verse 21 in the passion translation we're talking about union today we're talking about how we have the opportunity to be in union with father son and spirit because of what jesus did on the cross so uh if you will turn john 17 verse 21 the passion translation Jesus prays this prayer right before he goes to the cross. Oh, you're good. Thank you, Lord. In verse 21, Jesus says, I pray for them all to be joined together as what? One. One. Mm. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Hey, there it is again. I pray for them to become what? One. With who? so that the world will recognize that you sent me. So th- this, is, this, is why, this is why Jesus is so much better than you and I. I don't know about you, but he's so much better than me. If I'm about to go to the cross, I love y'all. Daddy, I love you. All my family, I love you. Friends, I love you. If I'm about to go to the cross for you, I ain't praying, Lord, let them have what I have. No, I'll be like, God, I don't want to die. Why I got to do this, Jesus? Lord, I'm a wild, wild, wild to I mean, you think about it. Last time you got hurt, did you start thinking about somebody else? Did you start thinking about somebody else? Yes, yesterday I was working, and I was, on, I was on the, I think I was on the third to the last house. And I remember I'm, like, happy because, like, I can see the end in sight. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm almost back at the post office. And I get down the step, and I trip, and I could feel my knee just, and I'm like, ah! Oh. In that moment, I wasn't thinking, Lord, let the church be holy. <laughs> Lord, bless my neighbor. Oh, Lord, bless them. Whatever they need, just bless them. I wasn't thinking that. I was like, oh, get in the car. Oh, are you kidding me? You know, last time you was in pain, last time you was in agony. Was, was you thinking about your neighbor, how they could be blessed to be more, be more prosperous? It's, it's okay to admit it. If you don't want to admit it, then you're lying and, and you know, it is what it is. But we all can understand, you know, last time you whether it's a paper cut or your knee popped out or or, you know, a car cut you off in traffic or the line at KSC takes 45 minutes. I'm pretty sure we all have experienced some type of pain or discomfort to where we're not thinking about our neighbor and their benefit and their benefit and all that other stuff. No, no, no. We're thinking about our constant pain in that moment. And Jesus, instead of being like us, he's like, God, I know I'm about to die, but you know what, Lord, let 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 all those that love me, let them let them have what you and I have. That, that's his prayer. That's his prayer. God, God, let them have let them have what you and I have. That that perichoresis, that union, that point to where where I, uh, we said it earlier. But the perichoresis is literally when you look at the father, you see the son. And when you see the son, you're reminded of the Holy Spirit. They're one. They're a union. They're so joined together. Jesus is saying, let them experience what we have. God, let them be one. Let them be so let them be so one that people know when they look at them. Oh, man, that's look, look, look at that's God. That's God right there at work. That's God right there delivering the mail. That, that's God pumping the gap. Look at them. Not so people can put us up on a pedestal, but people can literally see the representation of God and know that through all their mess, they can go to you and say, OK, hey, how, how did you get out of it? Show me how you did it to point me to who who got you out of it. So we can be one. Somebody say union. union. And I love this because literally Jesus's prayers. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined. Now, last week, you know, we we uh, I told you about, you know, when I was in high school, we did Spanish. We did Spanish, too. And Miss Miller, for those that weren't here, Miss Miller, chef check now, whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it. You know, love her. There you go, but you know she did this lesson, and I and I purposely think she did it for me because I would have if she didn't do this lesson, I would have did my homework this way. But I remember the first day she uh, pulled up the computer, had it on the projector screen, and uh, she uh, she typed in this website to where you can go and translate sentences. And when when I saw what she was doing, I was like, oh snap! Like I'm about to pass this class. I'm about to ace it because if you if you know me, I don't speak a lick of Spanish i not uh you know, some people are like, oh, I, you know, I, I can, I can, no, no, nothing this guy. I have nothing against it. My brain just don't comprehend it. So I'm thinking, okay, listen, I, I got to pass this because I want to graduate. I already know if I don't graduate, I ain't going to make it the next day. So I got to graduate high school. I got to pass this class. So I'm like, oh, man, what is she doing? She's showing us how to pass this class. So I remember she typed in a sentence in English and hit the translate button and translate to Spanish. And I was like, woohoo I leaned back in my seat. I was like, Oh, baby. I got this in the bag. I looked at my buddy Will, I was like, bro, we got this in the bag. This going to be a piece of cake. She don't know what she doing. you know, Because Spanish 1, I passed with a 70, which is a D. So I'm like, she don't know what she doing. She just gave me the tools. And I remember she said, now, class a, she talked in Spanish at that point, and I was like, what's she doing? Why's she talking in Spanish? And Will's like, this is Spanish class. I was like, oh, I, I mean, I figured she'd just do a little couple things and then say the rest of the English. But she says the next, the next I'm I'm going to say to you in English what she says in Spanish, but she said, class, pay attention to what happens next. So therefore, she took that English sentence, and uh, or she took that Spanish sentence and they hit the translate uh, translate button to translate back to English. And all the pronouns and all the verbs and adjectives are all flipped around and put on different sides of the sentence. It didn't make sense. And so therefore, she was trying to teach us how there are things. Sometimes they get lost in translation from language to language to language. When it comes to the Bible, I understand the New Testament was originally written in Greek. Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. So there are some things that have been lost in translation. And we talked about that last week when we read Ephesians 1, 4, and then we heard it in the Greek as well. Same goes for this in verse 21. Literally, it says in the Greek, it says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one. even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one. Here's the difference in us. I pray for them to become one in us. See, our, what we have now says to, he, that Jesus said, I pray for them to become one with us. But the original translation, what Jesus really prayed was that you, somebody say me. me. The person you see in the mirror, Jesus prayed that you would become one in him. See, when we say that word or that phrase with us, it means to be accompanied by, that God is walking with you. You know, Jesus walks, God's walking with you, <laughs> you know. But when we say in we're, we're literally saying that the, the, the Trinity is in us, dwelling within us, empowering us to do, to live, to breathe, to create, to function, to go to job, to work, to parent, to be the right type of spouse, to be, to be the right type of person in a relationship in us. That's why that's why the author said in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, that we live, we move, we breathe, we have our existence in him. Somebody say In us. In us. So, like I said, in us is to be empowered by the Trinity, to be empowered by the Trinity, to be embedded in the union. Literally what Jesus was praying, he was praying that you and I would be so joined together that uh, that we when people would identify us, they would see the father, son and spirit. In other words, when people see you, they see Jesus. When people see you, they would see Jesus. Now, this this was part of Jesus prayer before he was he was about to die for all of humanity on a wooden cross. That's what he' was praying before he's about to die. Not me. Not me, I'm going to keep it real, keep it on 100. Not me. Not me. I mean, at the same time, like I you know, I, 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 the boys eat the happy meals, and we and we we get the Mexican, all right? I'm just saying, like when it comes to the crop, I'm, yeah, you know what Lord, so is there any, you got any angels up there ain't doing nothing, you know, just want to pop, 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 you know, because this is going to hurt Jesus. You know, i got to die. But Jesus is so much better than us. He isn't even focused on his pain or focused on the agony or the embarrassment that he's about to go through. He's focused on, hey, Lord, they're going to be one with us. Right. That's 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 my desire. Not even one with us, but one in us. Lord, I want I want us to live in them. I want us to empower them. I want us to embody them. I want us to empower them to create the things that they want to create. I want us to empower them to parent, to be the right type of parent. I want us to empower them to to be in the right type of relationships. I want us to empower them to start the right type of businesses. What is it you want to do in life? What is it you want to do in life? If if it lines up with the will of God, he'll empower you to do it. Why? Because that's his desire to be one in us. Somebody say "In in me. So understand this. We're talking about union this morning. We're talking about union this morning. And instead of God in the flesh, a.k.a. Jesus praying that the angels come and rescue him and take him back to heaven. He prays that through his sacrifice, we will be brought into union with the perichoresis uh, circle dance the, between the father, son and spirit. Now, why is any of this important? You know, I, mean, I always like to ask that question. Why is this important? We said it last week, but because Adam and Eve's fall, it hurt the heart of the father more than it did Adam and Eve. And I know that's a very controversial statement, because in fact, when when he when he told me that, I was like, "What?" I'm like, "God, are you sure?" And I remember as a kid. And if anybody understands this, you don't have to raise your hand. You know, because you know the the parent may be in the room, or the auntie, or the grandma may be in the room. But I remember as a kid, whether you believe it or not, you know, there was a few times Mama Dad had to discipline your boy. Okay, there was a few times that you know I was just you know I. Just wild. I was, I was acting like Adam. There we go. We'll put it on my Adam nature. There's a few. I remember there's this one time in particular, you know, when I started sixth grade, you know, I started hitting a growth spurt. My voice was changed a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm, fl- I'm feeling myself. And, you know, you know, don't say, uh-huh. Anybody, anybody ask all that? <laughs> I remember what, I can't remember what I did. But mom went to, mom went to correct me. And she's like, Papa. And I'm like, for, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God. That didn't hurt. Now, here's the problem. It didn't stay in my head; it came out my mouth. <laughs> so there's some things in life that just better, just better left right here. Let them, let them. If you want to, just let them take up an apartment and stay right here. Don't let them come out the driveway. Let them just stay in the apartment right up here. And I was like, that didn't hurt. Ooh. And I even did the shimmy, the Shaq shimmy, long before Shaq was doing. I did, that didn't hurt. Ooh. I was like, okay. And she said, oh, it didn't. And she went away for a minute and I'm just standing. She just stay right there. I'm like, OK, you know, because I'm like in my head. I'm like, what you got for me now, Lita? You know, this is the inner Lindsay saying, what you got, Lita? Let's go. You know, and, before, and I turn around because I hear something. I turn around. She's going, bop. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> you leveled up. I didn't know you were going to level up. She leveled up. And I'm like, whoa oh she's like that hurt yeah (laughs) and i said all that to say this i remember her leaning over me saying now that hurt me more than it hurt you and i'm like what that's a lie you up there standing all good i'm on the floor kissing the carpet because i'm in pain how you ain't hurt (laughs) anybody ever have a parent tell you this is gonna hurt me more than hurt you i'm like that's a lie that is a gosh darn lie (laughs) <laughs> we're going to church tomorrow because you're lying. I remember thinking in my head, I'm going to call Granny and tell her that her daughter is lying and abusing me. <laughs> but I remember thinking, and I was like, how, how does this hurt her, uh, hurt her more than it hurts me? And it wasn't until I became a parent that I, I began to say that phrase, and I was like, huh. And it wasn't until the Lord explained this scripture to me, but I was like, wait. And the reason it hurt her more than it hurt me and the reason it hurts my it hurts me more than it hurts my kids is because the moment, unfortunately, because we are we are recipients of Adam's fall, We we are born into the, the life of sin. We perceive things wrongly at times. And unfortunately, the moment that a parent corrects instantly, we see a distorted or a twisted view of the truth. Because the Bible says that God corrects out of love. He loves you enough that, hey, you're getting too close to the cliff. Er, let me pull you back real quick may not feel great. Let me me pull you away from that. And instantly, uh, we we view the correction from a parent or we view the correction or we view the nose from God as, you know, as rejection or he doesn't like me or or all these different things that are false. And really, the moment that I would correct my kids, I know that that distorted view, the way they view me is going to be viewed differently. And, it's, and the, everything that I do, every intention that I have, they'll they'll perceive it as something negative or something twisted or something that's not false. Therefore, they don't understand my true heart and my true nature. Therefore, it hurts me that they don't see that I'm loving them enough to do this. Same with God. The fact that God, the fact that Adam and Eve, they 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 did what they did. And God's like, Phew. and they pers- it opened the door for them to have a distorted view of everything that God wanted to do. We said it last week that literally it started with them believing that God was was withholding pieces of himself from them. When we see that Jesus's prayer is that we are one with all of him. So therefore, the truth is, God does not withhold himself from you. But the fact that when when we and we when we have to be corrected and instantly we think, oh, we think that of God and God's. His heart breaks. Why? Because we uh, we instantly allow sin to be the filter of how we view God and how we view life. And oh, this is my life for the rest of this because I didn't do this as a kid or I, or I didn't pay enough. This or, da, da, da. we instantly we instantly take all the woes of life and put it on our shoulders and, and give it justification because we didn't do something. It breaks the heart of the father when we do that. <clears throat> it breaks the heart of the father when we do that. Somebody say union. In Genesis 2, verse 15 through 17, I promise we're almost done. If you'll turn there to Shadrion, it's in the New Living Translation. Those that have a Bible, you can turn there as well. If not, like I said, we'll put it on the screen. But talking about Adam and Eve, in Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17, I promise it will all add up to uh, what we're celebrating today. But in Genesis 2, verse 15, we're going to read 15 through 17, the New Living Translation. And then we'll go right into Genesis 3, 1 through 5. <clears throat> and I promise it's not written in red, so, but it's still meant to be red. Uh, 2.15, yes, ma'am. Watch this, and we'll go from 15 to 17, and then we'll skip down to Genesis 3, 1 through 5. But the altar says, "It says in verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Verse 16, after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell. Uh, is that Genesis chapter two? Oh, there we go. Oh, you're good. Yeah, there we go. Nope. All right. Now the priest of Midan had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water through their father's flocks. Um, It's Genesis chapter two. There we go. But the Lord God warned him, talking about Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And then we'll go to chapter three, verse one, one through five. <clears throat> Just give for time's sake. All right, watch this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Verse two. Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. the woman replied. <clears throat> it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or you will die. No, you're good. Go on to verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Verse 5, and this last one. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So we said it last week, but every lie that the enemy, a.k.a. Satan, tries to influence you with can be traced back to the lie. Somebody say the lie. Can be traced back to the lie that god is withholding parts of himself from you every lie that every lie that you've been told or every lie that that your inner self tells you at times that you're not enough or or all these different things it can be traced back to the to the one lie that mankind believed that god was withholding himself from us but watch this the case is that's not true that's not true schedule if you pull up verse 6 and 7 that same chapter genesis 3 i want you to watch this I've, I've never seen it this way before But in verse six of chapter three, I know you're good. All right, here we go. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. In verse seven. And at that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shamed at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. We said it last week. But before the great fall, Adam and Eve, they can look at their reflection in the great lates so whatever it is. They can look at their reflection and see and see the same reflection of the Trinity. See the same. They could see the father, the son and the spirit. Why? Because they were created in the likeness and image of that. And the moment that they disobeyed, the moment that they believed that God was withholding things from him that led them to disobey God and led them to sin. And the moment that they did this, watch this, um, uh, when they saw after they did this, their true identity was in full bloom. And after the falling away in their minds, as image and likeness bearers of Elohim, they now were left with a distorted, twisted view of themselves and God in the world. For the first time, when they looked at themselves, they, they didn't see that God created them in the image of Himself. They didn't see that they had the same union as the Father, Son, and the Spirit. They saw something that they were ashamed of. Now understand this, before they came out of union with God, they never, they never were ashamed of their true state. Amen. They never were embarrassed. They didn't have anxiety. They weren't insecure. They were happy. They, they didn't have guilt. You know, we, you know, understand this. I'm I'm, I'm not a woman, but obviously women wear makeup. Obviously, it is what it is. It's not a shame or anything. It's not a knock. Women wear makeup to cover up. Men, we wear extra shirts to cover up, or we wear whatever. To At the end of the day, we do this as humans to cover up. Why? Because there are flaws that we don't want on public display. But before the fall, the public display and the fall, they, they weren't worried about anybody else's perception. Why? Because they saw themselves in the same image as God. Amen. And the moment, they, the moment that they believed a lie, it opened up this distorted view of, well, if God's withholding, I man, why is God withholding parts of me? Oh my God, is that me? And let's you know, the Bible says that shame bubbled up in them. Insecurity, anxiety, guilt, embarrassment, all those different things. And it can be traced back to that one moment, the moment that they came out of union with God. So if Jesus is praying us to become one in him join back into the union so what does that mean he's he's praying that when we join back into the union all that guilt it'll it'll fall away that shameness that we have of ourselves being ashamed of, it'll go away that embarrassment that insecurity that oh I don't measure up to this or oh, this person looks like this I don't look it, oh, all that could it'll fall away why because when you're in union with God you know that you are in union with perfection the, the, the perfection doesn't need makeup Perfection doesn't need the extra close size, the extra baggy Perfection doesn't need the the, size, the, perfection need the, the, the cosine. Per- perfection is perfection. And Jesus is praying that we join back in union with him, with Father, Son, and Spirit. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12. <clears throat> in the Passion Translation. Chapter five, verse 12, it says this. Paul says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. So just like Adam sinned, the entire world was infected. Sin entered into the human experience. Somebody say human experience. Now, we talked about it last week. Shadra, if you go and pull up John chapter three, verse 16 and 17, we'll get there in just a minute. But we talked about it last week that sin, we said last week and we said the last few weeks, that sin in the Greek is hamartia. The ha and hamartia means without and the meros is form. So without form, you know, and without form, without a without your original blueprint, your original blueprint, your original true nature, which is like God, like the father, son and spirit. So when we sin, it's because we stepped out of our true nature. When we sin, when we see ourselves wrongly, it's because we're not seeing ourselves like Jesus. And John chapter three, verse 16 and 17 in the Passion Translation, Jesus says, for this is how much God loved the world. We all know this. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, you're going to learn it today. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. Here's the key. Here's the key verse right here. 17. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue to be its savior and rescue. To, to, to save you. Right. See, see, the lie of the enemy is that we were so we were so bad. You were so you're such a bad person. No, there, there there's a there when it had when it came to God's standard. There's there is a standard that we didn't meet. There is a standard that that we didn't meet. But when Jesus came into the world, it wasn't to judge you. It wasn't to condemn you it was to save you. It was to rescue you. Amen. See, if, if if you gotta save somebody, if you get the opportunity to ever save somebody, they're out in the let's let's create the scenario. But if somebody's out drowning in the ocean, you're not gonna if you if you got the light boat, you're not gonna ah here's the light boat. You shouldn't have been swimming out there. You knew it was too deep. You knew nah. It's storming. Why you didn't know? If their life is in trouble, you're not going to judge and condemn them. Hopefully you're going to throw that lifeboat. I'm like, you pulling, Come on. You can do it. A few more strokes. Come on out there. If it's me, I'm on the deck of the boat because I'm like, I ain't getting out there. But here you go. Here's the life. Come on. Come on. You got it. You doing so good. Puppy dog. Come on. Puppy dog. pat, Just pat. Come on. You got it. You're going to be cheering them all. Why? Because when it comes to saving and rescuing, there's only love and compassion. Love and compassion can only save and rescue. Love and compassion can only save and rescue. So therefore, when it comes to our loved ones that we want to see saved, the judgment's got to go out the window and, and love and compassion needs to step in. Amen. Amen. Doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter their love interest, doesn't matter uh, their, their entertainment, doesn't matter what they got going on, on the table or in their life. At the end of the day, if it's not through a filter of love and compassion, then it's not saving and rescuing. Amen. It's judging and condemning. Jeez. Well, Lindsay, you said, no, no, no. Judging, judging, and condemning is what Jesus didn't come to do. And if we're going to be in union with Him, then that means we have to, we need to love just like He loved. We need to, we need to empathize like He did. We need to have patience like He did. Amen. Amen. But this is why, verse 17, this is why we celebrate and honor and reverence Resurrection Sunday, because even though Adam introduced sin, we read it in Romans 5, verse 12, but even though Adam introduced sin, he introduced spiritual death, physical death, uh, anxiety, uh, guilt, shame, all those different things, yet Jesus was sent to undo all that Jesus was sent to rescue and save Jesus was not uh, Jesus was not sent to condemn, but to rescue us from hamartia he was sent to rescue us from a distorted identity Jesus was sent to undo everything that Adam opened the door and, and allowed into the earth I'm going to say a theological statement is going to it's going to resonate weirdly but accept it if you will Jesus is the undoing of everything Adam did Jesus is the undoing of everything Adam did, and he is the restorer of union with you, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's, that's his whole purpose. If you don't get anything that I've said today, understand this: Jesus undid all the sin that came into the world because Adam and Eve saw God and I believed a lie that said that God was withholding parts of himself and opened the door to view him in a distorted lens. Jesus undid all that when he went to the cross. Amen. Somebody say the cross. See, understand this. And we, we won't read it for Tom's sake. But in Luke chapter 24, verse seven, Jesus said to the disciples that he was going to be sacrificed and nailed to a cross and also told them three days later he would rise again. Let me paraphrase, paraphrase the next chain of events. But, you know, obviously they had the Last Supper where they broke bread and, and did communion. And for those that have been here when we ever sing it, but one of our favorite songs that I love us to sing is called the communion song. Definitely encourage you to look it up. But the chain of events, when they did communion, they broke bread and he even told them, hey, there's going to be one of you that betrays me. And then, next you know, we see them going to I'm just paraphrasing for time. But, you know, we see them going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, to pray. And he says, hey, hey, stay awake, pray. I I need you to pray. This is the hour I need you to pray. And now I get it after us reading John 17, verse 21. This is what I need you to pray. Why? Because I'm praying that you will be one in me. I'm praying that I will be one in you, not just you, but all those that come after you. So he's telling his disciples, hey, pray like your life, depending on it. Why? Because my desire is that we would be one yes. as me, my father and, and spirit are one. Yes. And to the point that if you look in certain gospels, it said that he was praying drops of blood. He was sweating drops of blood. That's how that's how intense it was. Yes. Why? Because he was that focused on making sure that you somebody say me. Me. Yes. The person you see in the mirror, he was so focused on making sure that you are one in him. That, that was his that was his whole focus. And he wasn't focused on, oh, one day I'm going to have the biggest religion across the world. There are going to be so many denominations. There are going to be songs about me. There's going to be movies. About, he won't focus on that. He was focused on you seeing the father as a loving father. We said it. We said it a few weeks ago, but in Luke chapter 15, the analogy of the prodigal son, if you've ever read that. The focus wasn't on the son. The focus was on the unconditional love of the father. Jesus was praying in the garden to the fact that one day we would see our heavenly father just like that, that father in the scripture. To the point that no matter what happens in our life, no matter how many mistakes we mess up. And if you don't know the spoiler, you will mess up in life if you haven't already. You will slip up. You will say the wrong thing. Some if you parents in the room, if you if you got kids Grandparents, if you got grandkids, if you got kids, people that work a job, if you work with that one co-worker, people that are in families, you got that one cousin, you got that one uncle or auntie, you got that one distant, I don't know how they're in the family, but they're here, you got them. We're all going to have those moments where it's just like, well, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have thought that. And Jesus knew it. Not only did he know it, the father knew it and the son knew it. Why? Because they're in one, they're in union. And he knew the guilt that we would add to ourselves because we mess up. He knew the shame that we would add to ourselves because we messed up. Notice that when God put and we're not going to go to it, but when God put the skin on uh, the, the clothes on Adam and Eve, because when they saw themselves naked and they were ashamed and insecure and embarrassed, they were like, Oh, what's this? What's this? And instantly, the Bible says that they, they, because they were ashamed and, and they didn't like what they saw, God clothed them. It never said God clothed them because he didn't like what they saw. It never said that he was ashamed or embarrassed of them. No, no, no. He recognized all the guilt that they had added to themselves. And He's like, hey, 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 it's here, and he covers them up. He covers them up. He knew that that he knew the he knows the guilt that we add to ourselves. He knows the insecurity. He knows the anxiety that we add to ourselves the moment that we mess up. But going along with the chain of events, he literally went uh, after the Garden of Gethsemane. He was arrested on false charges. He was arrested for being a, a blasphemous person. And you don't have to, we won't turn there but in Luke chapter twenty two verse sixty three through sixty four. It literally says that he was beaten and tortured. Before he went to court, he's beaten and tortured and mocked, and I I encourage you to to read those verses and see and see how he was being and tortured, because I remember the, I, the moment I was reading and I read those verses, instantly I'm like, I you know the 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 crossroads in me, <laughs> the crossroads, and I was like, woo uh uh-uh, uh Lord, couldn't be me, I would have pa pa, I let him know uh uh-uh, uh I'm God, bro, don't don't you hit me, don't you I come, you know what I'm about to do, I'm trying to save you, don't hit me. Don't you. I don't know who you're hitting. You're gone. You know what? It it would have been over. And then God would have been like, this is why Jesus is Jesus. And Lindsay, you are in 2022. This is why you're on the other side of the cross. Who in here is thankful that they're on the other side of the cross? I'm thankful. I'm on the other side. Come on. Somebody give God a hand, clap of praise. Yeah. Some of y'all just some just be thankful. Lindsay's on the other side of the cross. Be thankful. Lindsay ain't the one on the right hand of God because bye bye. Mm hmm. All my teachers. There was a few that I was like, yeah, they're great. But the rest of them phew, level them out, Lord. All of them. Now nah, I'm good. Hurts me more than it hurts you. No, it don't. You know, all that. But literally, it says that he was beaten and tortured before he went to court. And they and they tried him on false charges and Paul literally washed his hands and said, OK, well, uh, who do you want in this place? Because back in that time, there was this tradition of, you know, they would release a prisoner. During the during the Passover week, they release a prisoner as an act of mercy. Now, I understand this. Literally, you got God in the flesh standing up there, beaten and tortured and looking a mess, but not saying a word. Jesus. See, our, our, our tendency, our nature is when we're accused of something, we're instantly defending ourselves. But Jesus, the better way. We sang it, I think, last, last week or two weeks ago, so much better your way. Jesus, the better way yeah. It's standing up there silent, taking every, accusi- every accusation that you and I would, would, would earn or, or be given. He was taking all that. And the Bible says that the crowd said, OK, give us Barabbas. And if you don't know who Barabbas is, Barabbas was a, was a murderous terrorist. He was a ter- terrorist that committed murders. And the crowd said, you know what? The, the spotless lamb, the perfect lamb, the one that hasn't done anything wrong, y'all keep him. We want, we want, we want the, the villain. We want Barabbas. And I remember I was a kid, I would always see that. You know, we, we had the cartoon movies. I don't know what they're watching today. It might be the same. No, nah, it won't be the same one. But still, I would see that, and I'd be like, ah, Barabbas, ah, you know, the way the movie paints this narrative of Barabbas. Ah. And it wasn't until a few years ago I realized, Barabbas is me. Barabbas is us. Barabbas is the one that was caught living in his flesh, fulfilling every desire that he wanted to do, having a twisted version of who he thought God was. And Jesus literally takes the place of Barabbas on a cross. Jesus literally takes the place of somebody that has made their own path. Jesus literally takes the place of somebody that struggles with anxiety, literally taking the place of somebody that struggles with depression, somebody that struggles with guilt and shame, literally struggles with doing, trying to make a way out of no way. He takes that person's place. You know what? That person sounds like us. That person sounds like me. And we read in John 17, that verse 21, that Jesus did this. So you and me could be in union with him. Somebody say union. Literally, we celebrate today that our union was resurrected through the son of God. Yes, we now are one with him, not with him, but in him. And the chain of events goes literally. He died on the cross. And, and three days later, if you didn't know it, spoiler alert. If you didn't know it, three days later, he got back up from the grave. Yeah. He got back up from the grave. And, and, and before we even get super excited, can, can I show you how Paul describes these chain of events? In Colossians chapter 2, this is the last one. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I promise, if you ain't got a side of yet, you're going you to love this. You're going to love this. You know how I know? Because I was trying to cook dinner the other night. Mom and Jerry walked in, and I'm right now. I, I start kicking the air. I was like, whoa. Mom's like, that good? I said, that good, mama. It's the, the Bible is that good, mama. said, it tastes like bacon. It's that good. <laughs> Bake, bacon make everything taste good everything uh chapter 2 verse 11 through 14 um passion translation yes ma'am Woo! look at your neighbor say buckle up up. we almost done we almost done colossians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 watch us through our union hey there's that word y'all thought i was making it up through our union through our union with him we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct. Just stay right here for a minute. It's now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. There's that word union. It said through our union with Jesus, our hearts have experienced circumcision. Watch this. All the guilt and power and of sin has been cut away and Jesus has extincted because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. All the guilt, all the shame is gone. Somebody say it's gone. It's now, it, it explains itself. So I don't have to give any more. Watch verse 12. Woo! for we've been buried. Hey, we've been buried. That's when I was a kid. That would be one of my worst nightmares. We went to Ruby Falls. I told it a few weeks ago. We went to Ruby Falls. And at the end of it, spoiler alert, they take in the in the bottom of the cave with the lights off. I thought we are going to die. I gripped my mom and dad. I said, no, uh-uh. Uh-uh, I still got Power Rangers to get to when I get home. I'm not about to die. I was like eight years old. I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't about to go out without finding what happened to the episode of Power Rangers. Verse 12, for we've been buried with him into his death. Y'all see that? We've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised. Somebody say raised. raised. With him when we believed in God's resurrection power. So watch this. You didn't have to read enough chapters to receive what he did at the cross. You can't read enough of your Bible to receive it. You can't pray. There's you can't. I I don't care if you commit to a life of prayer uh, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed where you do nothing but pray. It's still not enough to earn what he did at the cross. But Paul said that by you believing that what he did 2000 years ago today, by you believing, you gripping it, firmly gripping it, then guess what? You receive it. So um, the power that was raised from death's realm, verse 13. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been rescued out of that realm of death, never to return for we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. Are you ready? You ready for verse 14? You ain't ready. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. But watch this. Verse 14. He canceled every legal violation we had on our record in the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins are stained soul. He deleted it all. And they cannot be retrieved. They can't be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam. There it is. Y'all thought I was making it up that that everything that Adam brought into the world, the guilt that you experience, all the shame, all the embarrassment. I'm I'm talking about the simple stuff. Why? I forgot this at the house and you're embarrassed. All that. From the, from the heaviest amount of embarrassment to the, to, the, to the smallest, everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross Jesus. and nailed there, and nailed there. Watch this, permanently, permanently, Thank the Lord. permanently, Thank the your sins on the cross permanently, your mistakes, they well, Lindsay, you don't understand, I messed up your state. Yeah, he took care of that 2,000 years ago. Well, Lindsay, what about tomorrow? He took care of that 2,000 years ago. Permanently, the judgment, the shame, the embarrassment, the, 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 the punishment for every mistake that you and I will make, it's, it's already been taken care of. You ever been to a restaurant and somebody, and somebody pay you a bill and you're like, Shh. the waiter comes to you, it's already taken care of. It's already been taken care of. It's already been taken care of. It's already been taken care of. So watch this. Watch this. This is why Jesus sacrificed his life. This is why we remember today. This is why we reverence today. This is why we honor today, because because of what he did today, because he rose from the grave. You and I, we are free from having a sin consciousness. Thank you, Lord. We are free from being dominated by embarrassment. We are free from being indo- uh, being dominated by shame and guilt. And sh- I'm, I'm not where I thought I'd be at this age in my life. I'm not where I thought I'd be at this state of my life where I'm, I'm having to go. No, no, no. All that shame, all that. Embarrass- put it, Jesus dealt with it. Yeah. He nailed it to a cross. So why are we picking it back up? Why, why are we picking up what's already been nailed permanently? Better yet, if he nailed it permanently and it's permanently there, then what you're experiencing, we, we used to say back in the day is, is, is it's false evidence appearing real. Uh-huh. It's fear. It's false evidence appearing real. You know, the, you know if you ever get around my kids, they, they play a game of imagination like you never believe it, to the point that you, you feel like, shoot, you know why? I, I should be able to fly like they flying with their toys. And, but really, it's false evidence. It's an imagination that they've created. The guilt, the shame, the embarrassment. It's false. It's a false reality. And the opposite of that is true. You have no right to be guilty. You have no right to be ashamed. You have no right to be embarrassed about whatever state of your life that you're in, because Jesus knew he knew where you was going to be at right now, this day. And he took care of it. He took care of it. He took care of it. So through the death, through the burial, resurrection, every legal violation, every rule, every commandment that you and I have never kept, Jesus erased it. He erased it all. He erased it all. Every sin, every every ounce of distortion, he deleted it all. And it cannot be retrieved. It cannot be retrieved. I love this because it said that everything we were in Adam, everything that we were in Adam has been placed onto his cross. Everything that we were in Adam has been placed onto his cross. Everything we've been that we were in Adam who was nailed to the cross. Jesus. Jesus was nailed to the cross. So Paul is literally saying that Jesus took your fallen nature. He took your insecurity nature. He took your anxious nature, your guilt driven nature, your fearful nature, your embarrassments and your failures, failures, all the areas that you don't measure up. You know, being back in my hometown, one of my biggest struggles is seeing people and I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't measure up to them. Or parents in the room, you see, you see the, you see the, all the, the parent accounts on social media, or the parents that are at the ballpark, and they got, I mean, they got the. There's this one family, I love them. They're on Kellen's soccer team. They got this industrial wagon. That thing's a beast. They could go through the snow and sand and all this. They got the drinks, got the snacks. I mean, the good snacks, name brand snacks. I'm just looking over there. Then I look at my kids. I'm like, man, God, I'm not a, I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good parent. When the opposite is true, because if parenthood is based off of materials, then guess what? None of us meet that. If your if your worth is based off materials, you'll never be worthy enough. If if your worth is based off of who you're married to, who you're not married to, the state the state of your children, sports news flash, you'll never be good enough. You know, I'm, I'm gonna throw it out there. If, if my if my uh, if my good coaching skills was based off of my kids' soccer team records, I I wouldn't be a good coach or a good instructor, teacher, whatever. Your worth, your soul worth, your, the worth of your soul. the the. the if, if there could be a monetary value in your soul, you know what it's worth. The price of Jesus. The price Jesus paid. That's what it's worth. That's what it's worth. It's worth to the point that God was like, hey. And I love this because we didn't read it, but the the plan of salvation was long before the foundation of the world. So Father Abba knew what Adam and Eve was going to do. And he already had a plan in place. Why? Because he loves us that much. He wasn't just like, you know what, you made your bed, lay in it. He wasn't like, you know, you did this so you're on your own. No, no, he said, hey, just I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. He nailed our, he nailed all of our shame to a cross. And the great thing is Jesus got up. He got up, but our, our, our sin stayed, our fallen nature stayed, our, our shame stayed. Why? Because whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. So watch this. If the fallen nature is gone and dead, what's left? If the fallen nature is dead, if all the sin, the shame and all the guilt, if that's gone, what's left? What's left is Union. Union that's why we're here today to understand that God has made the way for you to be in union with him the question is do you accept it will you accept it or will you say okay I know I see you know Lord I see what you got going on over there but you know i'm i'm a, I'm gonna keep doing me I see I you know oh, that's great Lord yeah I would like that but right now I got this going on I got this stuff going on or this is what's going on at work or my kids are this. look Lord you gave you see. My life is like this, or my bills are like this or my bank account is like this. My vehicle situation is like this. But he's focused on you being so jointly placed in him that when when people see you, they see him. But also when you look out, you see him. So jointly, so jointly constructed within the union of God. And I know this is heavy. I know it's I know it's different. But understand this, the perichoresis of the fellowship between Father, Son and Spirit. It's what he desires. So, Lindsay, why should we want circle fellowship? Why should we want fellowship with the Godhead? Because we were made from it, which means apart from it, we can't live or function. We were made from it. So therefore, if apart from it, you can't live or function. Apart from them, you can't live or function. Jesus said it, John 15, 5, apart from me, you could do nothing. So remember earlier when we read in Genesis 1, that we are created in the image of the Trinity, to be like the trinity and then we saw ourselves being able to rule and reign and identify and create and multiply so apart from being in union with father son and spirit you will live this life as a hollow shell of yourself if you're not in fellowship with the god father son and spirit if you're not if you're not in that you'll live as a hollow shell of yourself you will that, that, that desire where like, man, I can't place it, but there's something missing, or, or I, I, I feel like I need something else, but I've, I've tried everything else. I've signed up for enough classes. I, I've eaten all I want to eat, or, I, or I've, I've done enough activities, or, I, or I've went on enough dates, or I've done all these different things, and still there's, that, there's that, 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 that space that's not fully filled. It's because we're out of fellowship. It's because we're out of union with the one we was created to be like. You know, the best way to describe it is whenever I'm away from my, like on Saturdays, when I'm away from my kids, when I get in, whew, I instantly hug them, I'm instantly throwing them in the air. It's like kissing all over. Why? Because when I'm with them, that 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 space is full. And that's just my side of it. The father's side of it. The father desires to be with you at all times. And this is why he said, "Those that if we come to God, we should be like children, because when my kids come to me, all they see is daddy, daddy, daddy. Even the baby, daddy, 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 daddy. Why? Because they see that there's something in the father that fills their void." There's something in their father. Why? Because they they share the same DNA as their father so that they know deep down in their subconscious. There's something in daddy that daddy has that I need and want and is going to make me full of joy again. It's going to make me whole again. There's something in daddy that can put the batteries in my toys, even if it gets on the nerve. Still, daddy is capable of doing what I need him to do. That void, that hollow shell of yourself, it can only be filled with one person. That is God. That is God. That is God. And that's why we celebrate today, because we know that, you know what? Now I don't have to be I don't have to walk around hollow. I don't have to walk around empty. I don't have to walk around on E or a quarter of a tank full. No, I get to be in a state of wholeness because what Jesus did on the cross, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. Because of what he did on the cross. Amen. I know we didn't sing it today. I wanted to so bad, but. There's the the song, the communion song that we sing, literally the chorus, it literally says that here's where the dead things come back to living. Here's where the dead things come back to living. Do you have that place in your life? Do you have that place in your life where you're like, you know what, those desires that I once had, those 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 pure desires that I know, you know, those probably were from God or those innocent desire. Do you have that moment where, you know what, God has resurrected those desires in your life or do you have that moment where God has resurrected that joy back in your life. Do you have that moment to where that that emptiness has been filled? Because literally the song says, here's where the dead things come back to living. I feel my heart beating again. All those beautiful poetic words just to say this, the next line literally says, feel so good to know that you're my friend. That you're my friend. Our middle son has this annoying habit, I promise I'm done. This, he has this annoying habit of if something goes right, he says this, you're invited to my birthday party. If something goes wrong, you're not invited to my birthday party. He told me that one day and I was like, who's going to pay for your birthday party? Yeah, go go tell Nana to pay for your birthday party since I ain't invited. You know, I clap at kid. OK, I'm the king. Clap at. Don't come up to me. But he he throw he lumps everything into either you're his friend or you're not. But my middle son, he has this thing and, and I don't know if the baby will get it and Kellen probably won't get it until he's an adult. But my middle son, he, he, he came out the womb with this. He loves hard. He loves hard. He either loves you or he don't. And if he loves you, you, you got all of him, all, all of that moment. He loves hard. And if he doesn't love you, he won't fool with you. He won't talk to you. He'll just stare at you. But if, if you're with him, if he knows that you're with him. You got a companion for life. In his mind, you're his friend. And he cherishes that. And he's only three years old. What Jesus did, what Jesus did for you and I goes deeper than friendship. Goes deeper than friendship. And he can fill the void in your life. He can fill the void in your life. I pray, I pray, I pray. If you've never placed your trust and confidence in in the Lord Jesus. Understand this. Faith, is, faith isn't faith is about passing a test. It's not about checking boxes. It's about placing a trust. Faith, the Greek word for faith, Lindsay, with the Greek. Yes. The, faith, the Greek word for faith literally means firm grip, firm persuasion. So when we say we have faith in Jesus, we have a firm persuasion that he is for us. We are who he says he is or who he says we are. That's why we're saying it in Jairo. We are who he says we are. Who are we? Who does he say we are? We are whole we are forgiven we are healed we are loved who did it for us the champion the one that giants fall when when he stands because he's undefeated every battle that he's won and what's the next line we are who he says we are if you don't get anything today understand this i want you to walk out out of this building knowing that you know what i am who god says i am I'm not who my peers say I am. I'm not what my relationship status says. I'm not what the people I went to school with. I'm not the fact that even if I don't have family in my life, that, that doesn't determine who I am. The God that died and resurrected and sits at the right, that's who I am. That's, that's what he says about me matters. And I'm worth dying for. I don't know about you, but you're worth dying for. The person you see in the mirror is worth dying for, and he did it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much for today.